0: Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Amen. You may be seated.
1: You may or may not know this, but when I, when I first came, you know, Skip Schwartz, who started this organization, uh, reached out to me and said, hey, would you come be the chaplain at Loon Mountain? Um, I said, okay, that'd be cool, but I really don't want to just show up on the scene and be like, hey, Loon Mountain, you don't know me, but I'm your new chaplain. You know, I didn't really want to do that. And so the first winter, I came down while Skip was still here, and I worked at the resort. Um, which has been incredible. It really, really connected me uh, at the resort. And what I love about it is, you know, like, just like I have been called to be your pastor, God has also called me to be the pastor of of these people at Loon. And and there's about 1,000 employees, about 300,000 skier visits, and about 2 million summer visits. Now, obviously, I know I can't be the pastor to all of them but it 's cool that the doors that God opens, and uh, one of the things that kept happening is as the ministry grew, I could, I could no longer stay forty hours a week managing a department at the at the mountain, so I kind of slowly came down to one position that I do now that I absolutely love it 's totally me it 's totally God giving me this position I, I am the Walmart greeter for the Loon employees. <laughs> No joke, Uh, I, I, on Saturday mornings and on holidays, uh, I'm in the parking lot at 5.30, welcoming the staff to work at Loon, thanking them for being here, reminding them that we work at a great location, a great operation, reminding them of our customer service tips, our core company values, giving them all high fives, and uh, thanks to Loon Mountain Ministry, I have a small budget to hand out munchkins once in a while, and... uh, So the internationals, we got about 100 plus international students that work for us. They call me the munchkin man. (laughs) Oh, Marcus, the munchkin man, yeah. And the internationals love munchkins. They must not have them where they come from because they love munchkins. But... What was beautiful about today is it's St. Patrick's Day, and I got to speak about St. Patrick, and I got to talk about, well, what is St. Patrick's Day? How did we get here? What is it? And uh, it's pretty cool. I got to share about St. Patrick's Day with the Loon staff, which St. Patrick's Day, uh, yes, it, it has turned into a giant green day to celebrate all things Irish, throw a parade, and throw all of our Lent, you know, restrictions out the window for a day, drink as much as we want. Want, eat as much as you want, woo, and then go back into Lent tomorrow. That's kind of what it's been become. Uh, but where did it come from? How did it begin? How did it start? Well, in the late, uh, so, so AD means after Christ's death, about 300 years after Christ's death, in the country of England, not Ireland, England, a little baby boy named Meowen Socket was born. And that's actually St. Patrick's real name, Mayo and it. I'm sure he's glad he changed it to Patrick. Uh, but, like any other boy, he grew up. His grandfather was a priest. His father was a deacon. And they were very involved in the church. And like any boy, not any boy, lots of boys that are involved in the church a lot, what happens? They're like, no thank you. And by the time he was 16, he was a full-blown wild, one of the things that was written about, he was a full-blown wild, actually what they called pagan or atheist. He was like, I don't want anything to do with the church. I think it's absolutely ridiculous. Well, on one of his wild escapades, he actually got kidnapped by uh, Irish raiders and they stole him and took him to Ireland where he became, he was sold into slavery as a 16-year-old boy. Is that not crazy to you? Like, that's just like, you know, that's just crazy stuff. But he was sold into slavery as a pig slop farmer guy. He's, he fed pigs, essentially. And uh, as he was there feeding pigs and he was a slave, obviously depression began to seep in. As you can imagine, he's stolen away from his home country. He's in Ireland. At that time, Ireland was unsettled by Rome. Rome was taking over the world and Rome had made it to England, Britain, but it had not made it to the island of Ireland yet. And they were considered wild people. And they were. They, they, they sacrificed humans. They sacrificed babies. They did all kinds of crazy things that the rest of the civilized world looked over to Ireland and was like, they're barbarous is what they call them, barbarians. So he was kidnapped by barbarians and brought to their, to their country and, and, you know, and was there for six years. Oh, into his slavery, depression sank deep, and he began to remember the roots of his upbringing, all right? And there's a, there's, a, there's a verse in Proverbs that says, teach a child in the way that they will go and they'll remember it. They won't stray from it. And you know what? I bet you uh, old uh, Mayo and Socket's mother, when he was 16, was, was struggling. She was probably like, man, I raised you in the church and you are just wild and pagan and you want nothing to do with God. One author wrote this about St. Patrick's kidnapping or Mayo and Socket's kidnapping when he was 16. It said, he was attacked by severe mercy. That's what one author said. And so we as parents need to remember that sometimes when we think about something horrific that happens to our child or something horrific. I mean, kidnapping from, from raiders, that's pretty horrific, okay? Like, like, if that happened now, it would, like, it would be like a worldwide search. It would be all over. Like, back then, I guess it was like, well, Mayo and Sakit was kidnapped, It's a bummer. I really liked him back when he was a good little boy. I didn't like him so much when he was 15, but man, when he was five, he was great. Um, So he's in slavery feeding pigs, and he begins to remember his roots. He begins to remember Scripture. He begins to remember uh, the old teachings that his grandfather and his dad began. So he begins to pray. And Marilyn Socket doesn't begin to just pray once in a while. He begins to pray while he's feeding the pigs. He begins to pray at night. He begins to pray in the morning. He all of a sudden finds himself praying around the clock. Talking to this God. He's so lonely. He's talking to this God whom at 16 he hated. And now he was falling in love with him there in the pig stall. Because he slept actually right above the pigs. That's where as a slave he slept. In, the, in one of his prayers... He saw a vision, a vision of a boat waiting for him if he just walked off the pig farm. And so he said, hmm, okay. And one day just said, see ya. And walked off the pig farm, not knowing where he was going, and began to walk. Mayo and Suckett walked for 200 miles before he got to the coast in a boat. So imagine his, his doubt along that journey right? What I love about this story, folks, is that I think each one of us can relate. Each one of us can relate to being a 16-year-old wild child. Each one of us can relate to being a slave on a farm and, and whatever addiction that we have or whatever depression or anxiety or whatever goes on in our lives, you know? We can all relate to like that moment where we feel God calling us out of this slavery, but then like The first couple steps feel really good. I'm sure it felt really good as that farm went behind the horizon. He's like, that felt good. But then after day three, day four, I don't know how long it takes to walk 200 miles. Well, I'll tell you in a couple months. But, um, (laughs) you know, it takes a long time. I'm sure on that journey he was like, hello, you showed me a vision of a boat, and there is no boat. There is no seacoast, right? And so he gets to the seacoast finally. And guess what? He gets on a boat, and he doesn't go to England. He goes to France. He ends up in France. So now here he is in France, and guess what happens to him? They get off of the boat in France, and they try to find a town. They can't find a town. They've walked for 28 days, this group of people on the boat. And it was, it's so crazy to me how many references there are in scripture for this. I'll go over them in just a minute. They walked for twenty eight days and the people on the boat were like that were walking were like, We're gonna starve. We're gonna die. We're just gonna die out here. And Mary and Socket said, No, I'll pray to my God. And he prayed to his God and it provided food. And they ate, and then they ate, and they sustained themselves till they found the town. Then he said to the captain that was like, now you're my slave. The captain said, okay, I'll give you your freedom. That was incredible what you did there. And he said, I would like to go back to England because I'm pretty sure I'm looking around, and this is not England. I'm not here in England, and I'm not tasting England, and I'm not smelling England. So he we went on another boat. The captain got him on a boat, gave him his freedom, and he went back to England. When he got back to England, he said, Lord, you saved my life. He went back, and then like his family was like, oh, my word. Look, you've been gone for like eight years, and here you are, right? And you love Jesus? Holy cow, this is crazy. And he said, yes, I love Jesus so much, I told him that if he'd save me, I would devote my life to him. So they put him into a college where he devoted his life to studying the word, and he became a priest. He was such a good priest that he got promoted to bishop. But back in those days, you would retire by the age of 45. That would be pretty nice, right? It would be nice until you saw that the average age of death that time was like 50 to 55. So, pretty similar to now. Um, Retire, wait five years, no. Um, But so, at age 46, he's a bishop now. He's got, bishops made big money back then. He was super plush, super cush, things were perfect for him. He was so far removed from that gross slop pig farm. Guess what happened when he was praying again? He had a vision, actually of a child, an Irish child. Now what's crazy is he knew the Irish language. He knew the Irish culture. There's not very many people that knew the Irish language, but he did. He was a slave there for six years. And this Irish child in this dream said, Merwin Socket, please come. Please come and tell us the good news that Jesus is real. And that he loves us and he will save us from our sins. And he, could, and he couldn't shake it. At first, he was like, uh uh-uh. uh, I ain't going back to Ireland. I am not going back to that crazy, wild, pagan world, not happening. But the dream continued to come. And so he said, I'll go. And what's interesting is when he became a bishop, that's when he got the name Patrick. It's a Christian name. Mayowen was not a Christian name, but Patrick was. And so he became Patrick, became a missionary, and he set sail and he said, I'll do it. And he goes to Ireland. And you know what's crazy? You know the first thing he did? And this was amazing about when we are called to be missionaries. The first thing he did is he took money and he felt bad that he ran away from the, slave, from the slavery because that slave owner had paid for him. So that slave owner lost out on money. He lost out on an asset. And so he knew how much he was worth and he brought money and went back to that slave farm and said, I'm sorry I ran away. This is how much I was worth. I'll buy my freedom. Imagine that conversation. That must have been crazy. Now, there's a ton of folklore around St. Patrick, okay? One of the folklores is that when he went there, uh, the slave owner was so angry that he lit his house on fire, threw the money into the fire, and then jumped in the fire himself because he didn't want to be, like, I don't know, freed of whatever. But that's, I think, a folk. Lore, okay um there's a lot of folklore around saint patrick like the, he chased all the snakes out of ireland there are no fossil records of uh, snakes in ireland maybe he did a really good job maybe he chased the fossil records out too you know but a lot of people think actually that that's actually uh, a uh, analogy that he chased paganism out of Ireland. Paganism at that time was really bizarre there. There were some crazy, crazy things that they were doing as far as sacrificing people and really awful, awful things. And so uh, what's crazy about uh, St. Patrick is he went there, and what I love about what he did is he didn't build this church. Because you've got to remember, in Ireland there was no church. So you couldn't just build a sepal and everybody like, oh there's a new church in town, let's go check it out. There was no such thing. And so what he began to do is he would go to community centers and begin to share with them about God in their native tongue, which blew their mind, because here's an Englishman who's proper. English people were proper. And then he was now a bishop. So that's proper and rich and proper, proper, religious, you know. And he would come and he got rid of his all of his fancy robes. He just wore this really like, you know, down-to-earth you know, clothing, and he began to preach the gospel to these people in their language where they were at. Because he's like, no, I am you. I'm like you. I was, I was a slave here. I fed pigs in this country. And he began to preach the gospel saying, Jesus is real. You're separated from him, from your decisions. God paved the way by sending his son. He died on the cross so that when you put your faith, hope, and love in him, you're paved and God is good. God is good, and he's good, and guess what? I know that you, because back then, they worshipped all these things. I know you worshipped the mountain. Let me tell you about the maker of that mountain. I know you worshipped that twig. Let me tell you the maker of that twig. I know you worshipped that pig, that, you know, pond scum, that whatever. I will, and they did. They worshipped those kind of things. It was crazy. Pond scum was a big thing back then. I don't know why, but green, I guess. Um, so what's interesting is St. Patrick, actually, his color was blue. When he came over, his color was blue, and uh, the, the, the Irish Catholic changed it to green to try to help promote the flag and promote Irish, you know, you know em, the Emerald, what do they call the Emerald Island or whatever. So um, what does this have to do with today? What I think is crazy, and I want to encourage you with this, folks. Marilyn Suckett was a normal church kid that went rogue, and God intercepted him with slavery. And then here's what I think is incredible, right? Who was sold into slavery? Joseph. Genesis chapter 50. I love all the biblical references in his it's unreal in his life. So boom, right there at sixteen years old, he's sold into slavery like Joseph. What did Joseph do? Joseph brought the love of God to Egypt. Right later. Mary Suckett, you know, St. Patrick brought the love of God back to Ireland, right? Then, then Jonah. Remember when Jonah was like running from God and it was all was breaking loose and people were freaking out and he's like, no, I'll pray to my God. And he prayed to his God and he threw himself overboard, but the, but the storm like ceased Right? It's a little different with St. Patrick. He was walking through France for 28 days and they couldn't have food. And he prayed to his God and God provided food. And then the captain was like, whoa, that was incredible. I'll grant you your freedom. Right? And he left and went back. Now what's crazy is in, 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 uh, in Acts chapter 19, remember we went through Acts? Paul had a vision from a person in Macedonia who said, please come and share the gospel with us. Tell us about the good news of Jesus. What's crazy is that 46, St. Patrick had a vision of a young kid speaking Irish or whatever it was back then. It wasn't actually Gaelic, it was something else. Saying, please, please come tell us about God. Please come tell us about Jesus. So he had a Paul moment where he had a vision. Right? And then, like Paul, he went. What's crazy is when he got to Ireland, the Druids were so frustrated because he was turning all these people into Christians. The Druids were losing their power and all the, the money that was going to the Druids. The Druids locked him up on countless occasions. What's interesting is now there's a bunch of folklore around this too. We do know that he was locked up a bunch. There's crazy folklore folklor that like God struck lightning and blew the jail cell up and he walked out. There's other crazy things. I don't know exactly what happened, but I know that he got out of jail a bunch of times and he escaped. And then I do know that he died on March 17th. And what's crazy is a island of people that did not know Jesus, that did not know God, right, now knew him. Now, what we talked about a couple weeks ago, let's just say that they only knew that Jesus saved sins. That's half the good news. That's awesome news, but it's only half. What's beautiful is he created communities In Ireland that did good, that stopped sacrificing people, that stopped slavery, that stopped things like rape and pillaging, that stopped things uh, like sacrificing babies, right? These are real things that stopped because people said, oh, God is good. He is good to me. I am good to my neighbor. And why do I tell you all of this? Because it's you. I think sometimes we read scripture and we look at a guy like Joseph who gets sold into slavery and then gets elevated to second in command and saves Israel and saves Egypt. You think, and I think, well, that's like a fairy tale. That's like Hollywood. That's not me. Do you think Marilyn Suckett thought it was him at 16 when he was captured by pirates? But we see looking back, no, that's God working in his life, right? Do you, a lot of times we read uh, uh, Acts chapter 19 and we see Paul gets this vision from this person in Macedonia who says, please, please come share the gospel with me. And we think, well, that will never happen to me. I'll, I'll never have a vision of someone that says, please, please come share the gospel with me. Do you think that St. Patrick was thinking the same thing when he was living his nice cush church life england was awesome england had a wicked sweet cush church it had a very civilized town great amenities and he was set sound familiar and um he got a vision just like acts chapter 19 and then you know what? When we hear about stories about, you know, Paul and Silas and Barnabas and all these guys going to prison and then being released from prison or escaping from prison or their chains falling off, we think that could never happen to us. That was crazy. Guess what happened to St. Patrick? He got, he got put locked up for for proclaiming for proclaiming Christ and turning people into Christianity. Crazy. And why do I have Philippians 2? 1-11. through 11. You look at St. Patrick's life, you see the story of Joseph. You see the story of Jonah. You see the story of Paul. You see, all, you see the story of Peter. But most importantly, out of all those Bible characters, you see the story of Jesus in St. Patrick's life. And Paul talks about that in Philippians here, chapter 2. My mother always used to tell me if God had a Christmas list, Philippians chapter 2, 1-11 through 11 would be it. And she used to tell me that as a kid. She goes, if you would like to get God something for Christmas, he wrote a list through the Apostle Paul, and it's in Philippians chapter 2. That's what I love about my mom. She always makes things super practical that makes me understand it. And when I read this, I understand what his Christmas list is. It isn't church attendance. It isn't scripture memory. It isn't even being a pastor or being a Sunday school teacher or making coffee or, or setting up chairs. His Christmas list actually is way harder than that. It's being united with Christ. It's being comforted by his love. It's sharing the commonality of the spirit, having tenderness and compassion. And then this is where the Christmas list, make my joy complete. Make God's joy complete by being like-minded. Having the same love, being one in spirit, one in mind, and doing nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. That's what I think is incredible about St. Patrick. St. Patrick never went to Ireland going, I hope someday that they have a national holiday, actually not a national, that they have a global holiday for me. I know, right? Yeah, sounds like a plan is right. I like, I like it. I, I don't think he went to Ireland thinking that, like watch this. I think he fought going, man, my colleagues are retiring because all of his colleagues at 46 were retiring. He's like, I don't really think I want to go on a mission to to Ireland. That does not sound fun to me, okay? But he followed God. What's crazy is at no time was he prepared. He just followed. And when he was 16, he didn't even have a choice. He was kidnapped. So I would actually, this sounds crazy, but I would like for us to begin to pray and give God permission to kidnap us. As that one author said, uh, invaded by severe mercy, or attacked. I think he said attacked by severe mercy. And then what we need to do is not resist it. I don't know about you, but if I was being attacked by parading, you know, pirates from Ireland, I might resist, you know. And what I love about St. Patrick is he wasn't, he didn't make it complicated. You know what he did? He did what Jesus does. Jesus just uses his surroundings. I know uh, Drew's been praying and talking with Nathan about potentially doing the stories of Jesus this summer. And the stories of Jesus, though complex in what they mean, are very simple uh, you know, analogies. And St. Patrick just bent down and what'd he pick up? The shamrock. The clover. And what he do? He said, hey, God is like this shamrock. He said he's Three in one. He's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Imagine if you picked up a four clover. What's the fourth one, Patrick? Oh, it's me. I'm united in Christ with them. You know, i just, just do um, Right? So now it's shamrock shake month. You better hurry up because they said it's going away next week here in town. I feel like if you go all, is it going away next week? But I feel like if you go all shamrock shake, it kind of tastes like toothpaste. I know. You know what I like is half chocolate, half shamrock. That's really good. Then it's less toothpaste and more like chocolate mint. Then you can dip your fries in it. What? That's awesome. Dipping fries in toothpaste? Come on. I brush my teeth with my fries. Gritty with the salt. What were we talking about? (laughs) even <laughs> pig farming no i want to encourage you and i want to encourage me folks each one of you are called to your own ireland each one and each one are, are 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 having a story just like saint patrick that's what i love about we read it a couple years ago and it was a hard read i think a lot of us struggled with it i think one of it's because it really pointed to figure on something Uh, Donald Miller wrote a book called A Million Miles in a Thousand Years. And the point of the book was this. They tried to make a movie on about his life. And what he found out about a movie is that for a movie to have a good element, it needs to have a main character who desires something and then goes through a really hard time, near-death experience, to get it. The stronger the desire for something, the harder the journey to get it, the better the movie And Donald Miller in this book essentially challenged us Americans and said, hey, guys, no one's going to a movie where the guy gets the girl, gets a job to pay rent, to get a house, to buy a car, to get the vacation, to have the 401k, and then die. He's like, no one walks out of that movie and is like, what? (laughs) What? with the new car when they were 37. I was like, they finally made it. (sighs) Right? No. And we got to be careful because, man, you know what? It's a lot of hard work, and it it does feel kind of good to get the girl and have the job and get the 401K and line up the house and get the kids and make sure that they're going the right place and doing the right thing. But we have to check ourselves and say, hmm, what, what story is this? Is it my story that I'm trying to write? Or is it God's story? Because I'm sure Marilyn Suckett was not like, hey, I hope I get kidnapped six years on a pig farm and then go back to tell them about Jesus. So if you're tempted to reach up and grab God's pen and write your own story, I'd like to challenge me and you to like slap that hand and be like, nope. I'll give you permission, God. Blank slate right away. Begin to etch I love St. Patrick. I hope now you know a little bit more about him and what this day is actually about. And should we celebrate? Totally. I think St. Patrick would be all about it. But we should also remember that I mean St. Patrick was one of the greatest missionaries of all time, they say. Of all time. What I think is crazy though about the Irish people, let me let me like brag on the Irish people here for a minute. Like Joseph Kennedy. Right? The Kennedys. Joseph Kennedy was one of the wealthiest men in America. Not so when he came over as an Irish immigrant. When he came over as an Irish immigrant, you ready for this? Boston ran him out. Boston said, you can't be here. You're not allowed to use any of our restrooms. You can't buy a house here. And we will not employ you because you're Irish and you're Catholic. So what did Joseph Kennedy do? He said, oh, okay. There's a place called New York. I guess they'll take me. And he goes to New York and becomes a self-made billionaire. What I think is crazy is when Joseph Kennedy came over, Boston said no to Irish people. Sent them all out. Now we, today at one o'clock, there's a parade with 1.5 million people rarely free going, what well, city's Irish? <laughs> How resilient is that people? That's amazing to me right? They didn't have Facebook and they didn't have the media helping us all feel bad for those poor neglected Irish people in Boston in the early 1800s or mid-1800s or whatever that was that they were discriminated against. They were just strong people that said no. In a couple years you guys will have a parade that celebrates us and your whole city will stop and you'll sing about us at all your sports games to me, oh, and guess what? One of your sports teams will actually have a shamrock with a little Irishman. We're taking over the city. Get us out if you want, but we're coming back and we're billionaires. <laughs> to me, it's like, yeah. Awesome. I would tell you a couple movies to watch, but uh, we're in church. Um, and I want you to feel the same way about St. Patrick and in your life. Your calling. You each have a calling. One of the things that I think that you're, that like is, is awesome about this, right? Is God gave me a pretty clear, specific calling. And that was to bring the gospel to the ski resorts in the Northeast. That is very clear on my life. And how do I know? Because I'm not doing anything to open these doors in front of me. It's the Lord, Right? And what I think is beautiful, what's crazy is this, like, I hate to say this to you guys, but this local church is a little bit like Ireland for me. I'm not, uh, it was hard. This calling on, this was hard, right? Ski Resort Ministry? Oh, yeah, you better believe it. But remember my story. Some of you do know my story, some of you don't. But in 1993, my family was kicked out of the church. My dad was the pastor, we were asked to leave. lost our house and later that spring we lost my grandfather who was the head elder it was really rugged so for me to get called back into being a pastor i'm like "Ah, i don't know but what's amazing is you guys you're amazing this is crazy what god's doing god's doing through me who i would say is not that great of a pastor my pastoral skills are not high you should have my dad here if my dad was here you guys would feel loved and cared for. With me here, you just feel like motivated, and we're like, every week we get motivated, and we're not really sure where we're going. But man, was entertaining. But if my dad was here, you know, he'd shepherd you and care for you. He's an unreal caregiver, right? My dad has never in my history of everness that I know missed a bedside, the dude walks into every bedside possible. Right now, I'll call him, and I'll be like, hey, Dad, what's up? Oh, yeah, yeah, just down in the prison in Lewiston, what you need? I'm like, what What are you doing down there? I'm not kidding you. One phone call I had with my dad. I'm, this is no... No lie, I said, "Hey, Dad!" I, and he's like, "Oh, uh, yeah, how's it going?" I said, "Good, good." I go, "What you doing?" He goes, "There's a gentleman in prison, and he's... and I was his one phone call. And he's asked me to go to his trailer and get some paperwork, but I'm not really sure." Uh, and then all of a sudden, I hear somebody yelling. And he goes, "I'll, I'll call you right back." Get off the phone with my dad, and he's in this person's trailer getting paperwork. Who they're in prison, and like a bunch of hours go by, and finally, I call dad back. I'm like, "Dad." What was going on? Like the guy that was hollering sounded kind of he's like, "Well, it was the son of the guy that was in prison and he thought I was in the trailer stealing while his dad was in prison, but he came in the trailer really angry. I'm like, "No, no, I'm the pastor, I'm Ron." He's like, "Sure you are." You know, he's like, "No, I the police told me because it was funny his dad is fun. he called the Jade police department and said, "Hey, this is Ron. They're like, oh, yeah, we know who you are. He's like, I need to go into this trailer for this guy so I'd like an escort. They're like, no, 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 you're fine. You're Ron. We trust you. Go for it. But then the son drives by and is like freaking out at dad. And what I feel so bad for the son, he's like, no, sir, you sit right here. And he wouldn't let my dad get up. Like he held my dad. Don't think it was at gunpoint, thankfully, but he held my dad and wouldn't let my dad get up until the police get there. And then the police get there and they're like, oh, that's wrong. He can be here, but actually, you're not supposed to be on here. There's a warrant for you to not be here, but the pastor can be And they let him get away and left dad staying there and going through the paperwork. It's like, to me, that's the St. Patrick story. That's so cool. Like, dad just keeps following the Lord, you know? And I, and I, and dad actually kind of looks like St. Patrick. Um, but anyway, I just, I don't know where I got on all that, but you, I, I point to my father and I point to St. Patrick, but you. You are called. You are called. And when you step forward, doors just will continue to open. And who knows? Maybe someday McDonald's will make a shake in your name too. (laughs) Isn't that crazy? The shamrock shake. If St. Patrick only knew what came. It's crazy. I mean, they dye rivers green today. It's crazy. Jesus... I thank you that we can have fun telling stories like this and that the stories have a point and an inspiration and, and meaning for us, Lord. I ask by the power of your Holy Spirit that you would help us break down walls and barriers where we read your word and we think, oh, I can't be a Paul. No way could I be a Joseph. Man, Lord, I can't be Peter. But Lord, I know that St. Patrick felt the same way. He was a wild teenager who was just out sowing his oats. Lord, would you help us in the midst of our our present busyness with, with life here, in the midst of our comfort, you know, uh, you know, American Christianity, would you, by the power of your Holy Spirit, call us, call us, and help see where the door is opening, and give us strength and faith to, faith to follow you. And God, help us not to believe the lie that we can't trust you, and that you're not good. We love you, love you, love you, God. It's in your name we pray. Amen.